a business owner looking for real advice and input, you're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond, welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million, the other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Just living the life of quarantine. How about you, baby? I'm hiding in my home office. Well, yeah. Are you embracing family distancing? Uh, yes. They are all outside riding around in the driveway like banshees. Nice. Nice. I guess well, this is what we call homeschooling now. Now, keep in mind, while, while Robin is racing... According to all of my my sources, you definitely don't want to be riding that close to the to the car in front of you right now. But you know, speak, speaking of things that are that are super fast and super great, uh, with us today we have Kyle Fitzgerald, who's the CEO and co-founder of Like Life Equals, the producer of the Super Food Shot. Kyle, what's up? Hey guys, how's the mats doing today? Everybody pumped up to be uh, working at home, way too close to our children. I, I have a I have a new appreciation for why people wear yoga pants. <laughs> feel really, really good. Yeah, oh I'm God. like just saying, just saying. You know, ever since we turned off the recording on this, I mean, I'm just gonna let you guys imagine. Well, Kyle, you know, obviously the world's changed quite a bit for all of us recently, and I'm sure that's affected your business. You know, first off, take thanks for taking the time to come visit us for yet another episode of Startup Hustle. Today's episode is sponsored by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software development team quickly and affordably. Now, those of you listening know that I love it when you're interactive. So I want you to go to superfoodshot.com so you can learn more about what we're talking about while we're talking about it. Kyle, I'm going to go ahead and hand the mic over to you. I'd like to get a little background on the Superfood Shot and Life Equals and, and how you turned into a purveyor of high-powered food products. Oh, man, high-powered. They call those superfoods, really. I mean, that's the, right. that's the word, right? So Teach us stuff. Teach us stuff. Teach us stuff. Well, it's kind of interesting to be doing this in the midst of this corona outbreak, and I think it's really thrown the general population in the real clarity on their diet and their preparedness not to be sick. So the immunity aspect, you know, of of – your diet is mega important and it really centers around fruits and vegetables, which is our world. So um, it's been a long journey to get here. We've had a startup for a number of years. We started with a line of vitamin products. We did Spark Lab, which Matt, were you in, involved in Spark Lab, the business accelerator here in Kansas City? Yeah. And by the way, if you guys hear me eating, it's just I'm eating elderberry all good. the whole podcast. Yeah, That's elderberry. Good. Yeah, just in case you should try our elderberry shot, our immunity shot, just so ah. two ounces, boom, put it back. There we go. So we did we'll put that on. We'll put that on the list with the juiced <laughs> fast, Matt. We're going to, can we do the juiced fast with only super food shots and make it not feel as juicy? Dude, any, anything with elderberry in it right now is probably flying off the shelves. Oh yeah. Yeah. We are. We, yeah, we'll get to how we're doing now, but it's been. I was going to say, can, can we do what is an elderberry? I've never even heard of an elderberry. Is that like a really old berry? You're going to no. die because you don't know. You're going to die because you don't know. Number one, number two. No, I'm not, dude. Because <laughs> I've been I've been locked in my bubble here, man. I'm 
I've taken the world virtual, man. I'm, I'm living the dream. That's the ironic thing about pulling your kids out of daycare is this is the only time that they haven't been sick. No, yeah, not true, in the, true. In the Petri dish, right? Like our kids true. are great. They're totally healthy. Nobody's sneezing. It's been yeah. great. Uh, yeah, that's true. And but then at the same time, you have to be quarantined. If you have small children like Watson and I do, then you you ha are guaranteed to have moments of mixed emotion about about the world, the safety of the world. You're like, maybe I'll just take a chance. That's right. That's right. Well, <laughs> all right. So wait, elderberry. So let me answer your what's elderberry, elderberry, and then we want to hear more about your business. All right, elderberry is no older than any other berries, contrary to the name. Damn. And uh, uh, it's a native plant. We have them growing wild here in Missouri and Kansas. Uh, it's a perennial, which means it comes back every year, but it dies all the way back to the ground. So don't picture a tree or a shrub. Picture kind of a, a perennial that would grow up five or so feet tall. And it has masses of super rich purple colored berries. And they're really good in, uh, for your health because they're high in antioxidants. And they have a lot of antiviral properties. So... If I if I can find these in my backyard, can I trade them for toilet paper? You could, if there was any toilet paper to be traded for. <laughs> uh, so they they grow during the summer. People harvest them during late summer, and you can squeeze them in a juice. So elderberry syrup is a real popular thing. Uh, elderberry capsules. We use them in our product um, to provide kind of that immune boosting support. But that's the well. Thank you, thank you for bringing us up to speed on that. You bet. You bet. Yeah, I, I thought they were just really old berries. No, they're not. I mean, they're they just as new as all. They're fresh. They could be fresh. Okay, okay, Elder Matt. Like Elder Matt. Probably better. I am the Elder Matt, to be honest. So, I hey, man, I'm getting up there. I didn't know if I was eating the wrong stuff. Now, speaking of eating the right stuff, so at some point you wrapped your arms around the value of that and became an advocate enough to be producing products. Is that how that occurred? It was actually a really classic startup tale, right? We had these vitamin line that we had made. So we had whole food based made in America vitamins. So you think men's vitamins, women's vitamins, omega-3s, probiotic. And we were selling those in whole foods, right? So we'd already gotten into the, the, the toughest retailer to get into because their product quality expectations are super high. And we did Spark Lab, which is a business accelerator. And they believed in us because they believed in the brand of Life Equals and our kind of overall premise, right? But we were able to get in front of a gentleman named Bob Bernstein who started Bernstein Rain, yeah. right? Yeah, in, no, Bob. Inventor of the Happy Meal. He's got a, Bob's awesome. He's got a gold Happy Meal on his desk. Not kidding. Full size. He should. He should. Yeah. Um, the guy has seen it all, right? He helped Sam bring Walmart out of Arkansas and become a national, well, global superpower. And he met with us for probably six months because that Midwestern nice thing can really slow you down to get critical feedback. And one day he had finally built enough relationship with us. He goes, okay, guys, I'm going to be really candid. You are not going to build a national you know, $300 million vitamin company. That ain't going to happen. You're not a doctor. You can't make health claims. And it's just too oversaturated. You need to go find a bigger problem and solve it with a first-to-market solution so you can own it, right? Like most of the technology companies are inherently building something that people don't have, and they can defend that space. In food and beverage, that's a lot harder, right? Your ingredients are on the panel, and people could go out and copy the product. So it really comes down to your relationship and the trust you build with consumers to build a brand, which ultimately technologies have to do that as well. To know that you know Facebook's going to protect my data, 
right? They have a great platform, but if you didn't inherently believe that, you would engage with the platform at the level that they want you to. So the brand is super important, but especially so for product because they have to be consumed. You're going to actually drink them. You're going to give them to your kids, your family. So you have to trust the company. So we went to our medical advisors who were like doctors, dietitians, health coaches, and said, okay, we're going to pretend that we don't know anything. What is your biggest problem that you as a medical professional see more than anything else? And they said very simply, preventable disease, right? If you look at the top 15 things people die from, most of those are, are based on your diet and are preventable, right? Especially the number one by far killer, which is coronary heart disease, right? That comes down to the, the food that you're eating and the buildup of plaque in your, in your heart. And that's what's killing more Americans than, than coronavirus most likely will kill in one year they kill that many every single year. So if you looked at 300,000 Americans dying from heart disease every year plus, that should be making way bigger headlines than what we're seeing now. But this is a lot more scary because we don't know what's going to happen. Everybody's got I, I actually, the fact. That I actually looked that number up yesterday and it's like more like 600,000. Yeah, for, from for coronary heart, yeah, from heart disease. Yeah, and, um, you know, because I was kind of curious about you know, just you get a lot, you're getting a lot of numbers about death, you know, as uplifting as that is on many days. And I was just kind of curious. I was like, how many people die every day in the world? It's 150,000. Yep. Like, think about that. Yep. That's a huge population, like gone, you know, and, and, you know, and then, and then the next line down, I was like, well, what's, you know, what's really getting them? And well, that number I just stated was just in the U.S. Yep. So, um, you know, then the next thing was the next following thing was unintentional injury, meaning like could be anything, you know, like falling off your deck and breaking your neck or something crazy like that. But it was like a quarter of that. So the, the heart related disease and I, you know, my, my father's gone through quite a bit of that stuff and it's definitely a challenge. So, well, we commend you for doing something healthy. Now there's something about Bob Bernstein and Matt Watson that they have in common yeah. that you might not know, Kyle. Do you, do you, do you want to, do you want to guess what, before oh, I, man. it's, it's a very, it's a very prestigious award, but it's not a leg lamp like Christmas story. Oh man. I don't know. Let's hear it. They are, but they were, uh, what was the, uh, what was the organization's name again, Matt? Um, I think it's from the Entrepreneur Exchange, which is kind of a local community, you know, nonprofit sort of just local group of cool people that get together once a month, once a quarter around here. And they do different events. Uh, they actually do some really cool events. And so it was an event by them called Meet the Masters. Yeah, and, they, and I guess they give away these Masters Awards every other year. And Matt was in the last and the last graduating class there with Bob Bernstein, some of the leaders and founders of, of Cerner, um, Terry Dunn of D J E Dunn Construction. Who else was in there, Matt? Uh, was the jewelry guy there? Maybe I think the Good Sense guy was too. Yep, he was there. Um... Yeah. But at, at this at this event, which is at Sporting Park, you get you know if you go and you attend, it's real it's really interesting. And, you know, I went because uh, you know all I do is follow Watson's award winning path, <laughs> um, and the kid's got a trophy case, man. What can I say? Like Jordan and Pippen have a handful of rings, and then there's Watson, right? Um, 
but no, it went, it was a very interesting, uh, I went and d- I did listen to Bob Bernstein, his presentation and, you know, Bob's more than just the happy meal. He was like the, one of the original marketing guys at Walmart when, so he, the way he tells his story was super interesting because, you know, he'll tell it and, and, you know, he's talking about Ray Kroc at McDonald's, but you know, he doesn't mention that he doesn't drop the name at all. And then he'll suddenly, he does the same thing with Sam Walton. He's talking about this Arkansas retailer that he thought could get big. And he's like, and that's, and then at the end of the story, he's like, and that's how I met my friend, Sam Walton, you know, it's just like, I mean, it's very humbly presented. It's literally like listening to Forrest Gump, tell a story. And you're like, but it it is true. In that case it could. And you know, the, the thing that's the most interesting about where Bob's uh, where Bob's story started was he used to work. He was like 25 years old here in Kansas city, worked for a marketing company, was riding the elevator up one day and had made a comment to the CEO and the CEO kind of made a, kind of shitty snide comment back to him. And he's like, man, I don't think I want to work here anymore. So he, he quit and he was trying to get a job for trying to get funded for a startup, basically his marketing company and couldn't get a loan from anyone. And then, uh, uh, did finally get a banker to back him. That guy ended up being the CFO for Marion Merrill Dow, Dow labs later for Kaufman, you know, Kaufman. And, uh, you know, he just, he just, t- Bob said the guy just believed in him. And I think he got like a $2,500 loan yeah, or something $2, like that. Isn't that unbelievable? And I think about that and getting a loan from a bank for your brand new fresh startup that has no history. So now speaking of which you guys have raised a little money along the way. Um, you, you want to give us, give us a little info about that and maybe how that process went for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, before back in the vitamin days, the only money that we had raised was, like the $16,000 or whatever Spark Lab gave you. So the, I convinced my co-founder, because I was the only full-time person at the time, I convinced him to quit his excellent job that was very well paid to come split $16,000 with me for an entire year. Uh, we didn't think it would take that long to raise capital, but it was rough. I mean, and this, and this was 2014, right? So this is pre-balance really rough talking to angels. We almost did a deal with Bob Bernstein, but he's kind of a command and control investor, not a small check kind of guy and really loved him, but we just weren't at that point with the business. Um, But they really taught us how to put together a pitch deck and tell a compelling story in the right way to, to investors. Right. And in that year of, of spark lab, we learned how to identify investors who would actually write a check uh, who would have the financial resources to write a sizable check, and then who would be interested in what we're doing. And that took a long, painful time. And we we had three different deals fall apart that were just gut-wrenching. And we were literally two weeks from running out of cash because we were an inventory business. We had to buy stuff to sell to other people. And yeah. without, we had put in 60K of our own money, and I'm like, it's enough. We are done. We have did two weeks, you know, December 25th on Christmas. We are done. We are done. And we had one deal fall apart. And then we had two angels who finally wrote us. One check was $100,000. One of them was $50,000 on December 12th of 2015. And that was, that gave us the breathing room to rebuild our e-commerce site in-house to come with our brand ambassador program, which we crowdsourced all of the customer facing sides of balance, the superfood shot and ideate that product, 150 K. We used it for a whole year to figure out how to build that product. And that was just such a huge turning point. So since then we've raised about $4 million from 
some really strategic, uh, mostly angel investors, but now getting into the venture capital um, funds. And it's been really enjoyable to have the resources to build a brand and try and build it the right way. What's what's something that you you mentioned learning how to tell a story that it, that compels investors and you know I think that that's I think the story of the business is something that that those raising capital or those just trying to do any like they often leave behind and they get stuck on hey here's a graph and here's this and here's a bunch of here's a bunch of features but not talking about the benefits of what the product do like what did you what did what did bob or spark lab or any of those people are experts at that kind of stuff so what's what's a big takeaway that you got from that you know the best person that taught me how to write a business plan and to do a pitch deck cuz you write the pitch deck and then you write your business plan off of that is the way that she said it but it was michelle Wiegand who is an amazing woman who has helped a lot of startups. Um, DJ Good, I think, worked with her back in the day, raising some capital. But her, <laughs> her mantra about a business plan was basically lots of pictures, no paragraphs, bullet points, and very few full sentences. Like people are not going to read it. Yes. I've raised $4 million, and I can't say the last time somebody read a business plan. Nope. Thank you. It's crazy. Thank you. Same boat. Same boat. And so the pitch I'm, I'm has to big, be big advocate of the one pager. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, yeah. You got to have a sweet executive summary. You got to have track record and you got to be able to tell that story. So the person who's telling it has to know how to speak to a crowd, right? They have to meter their voice. They have to show some excitement and bring a little bit of that brand appeal and live that brand. So our brand has a very specific feel and I want the investors to feel that and the pitch deck in the handouts and the product, everything that we do. I'm super lucky because my co-founder, Chris Thoey, who's our COO, did all of our graphic design, right? The guy's just a total genius when it comes to that. So our pitch deck and our products look like we're a $300 million brand, although we're not yet. Well, and, and from my experience, when, it, when we're talking about angel investors, the more due diligence they do, the least likely they are to invest. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, the wheels Usually the ones that invest are like, yeah, I like you, Kyle, and I like this. I'm in. If they if they if they spend like hours digging through shit, they don't invest. Well, you just tell yourself why not to do it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Now, you're not obviously, like if you're dealing with a VC or something like that, you know, they that's a different deal. But angel investors, it's it's usually an emotional decision. Yep. We we like to say they bet on the jockey or they bet on the horse. If they feel like they're getting both, then it's an easy bet. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, but the story and, you know, what you talk about, and by the way, I want to, I want to uh, give you a real thumbs up here. Cause you know, you mentioned something like the visual acuity of what you're doing. Like, are we a $300 million brand or do we operate out of my mom's basement? Right. Cause you know, like, you, I mean, that's the, that's the beauty of e-commerce and having, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be over the top, but your website, when I look at it, and it's done really well. And it looks, it's, it's, it, the, the photography is great. The product imaging is great. You know, I love the idea that the highlight on the word balance, um, you know, and just like that whole idea of that, you know, and that, that's something that I think a lot of people strive for. I, I wrote a book called balance me once. So I understand like the need that people feel for, for quote balance in their life. But when I look at your side, I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able if I had to pick between whether this was, quote, in someone's basement or 
just, you know, a big box food product. I mean, especially in down at the bottom, you know, you can see Whole Foods and Nash, Natural Grocers, Hy-Vee and some other big chains and, and it's presented well. And I'm a big, big, per, you know, you always hear me saying you got to look like you're in the business of whatever it is you say that you do. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, I think too many people overlook that. And then the story, like, and, you know, like, um, it, it, well, I'm, I'm sure, you know, uh, uh, Ruby Jeans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, he's got the whole story with his grandma and she's like the, you know, the, the, the logo and stuff like that. And that's the whole point is like, when and where did that story come from? And I mean, we, we've told this, our own stories here on the podcast, and that's also a big part of the business that we run at full scale, you know, just saying like, Hey, the story is we part, so much of this was created out of things that we thought we would need or want as business owners ourselves. So that story goes a long way. So good. So good job there. Yeah. Your guys' website right. is beautiful. Hey, thank yeah, you. Pretty, we look at it. Pretty. Thank God we've got to do a total redo on this. It's getting, <laughs> we're just really, uh, I think it looks, I mean, it's just, it, I think it looks good, but that's a good, I think it's a good position to stand in though. Like always challenging, you know, as, as long as you're not over tinkering, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that can happen too. Telling the story quickly is so massively important. So if you looked at our pitch deck and maybe Matt, you've probably seen it because you've probably been in some of those pitches before. Uh, it looks just as good as the website, right? It's just super polished. And we have to tell our story as quick as possible, right? I don't believe in a 10 page pitch deck because we're a brand. So we're telling a different story visually, but in 12 minutes, I'm going over like 25 slides because I want them to see and feel and understand the brand. And then I'm not reading the slides. I'm telling the story. Because the story for us is medical professionals know that preventable disease is the problem. Preventable disease is caused by diet. People need more fruits and vegetables. Balance a superfood shot. If I, yeah, I have an, I, I have another I have another Matt Watson questionnaire for you, Kyle. Sorry to put you on. Okay, so the first is a, yes, the first is a yes or no question. Did Matt Watson at his recent wedding reception, have a PowerPoint presentation? Yes or no? Yes. Correct. And then was that PowerPoint presentation more or less than 30 slides? Oh, dear heavens. Yeah, more. You, you're the big winner. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> it, you are today's winner yeah. of what about Matt Watson, yeah. which is going to be a new part of this show I, probably every every day. Am I the only person to give a 75 slide PowerPoint? What? <laughs> yeah. Watson, you're an intense guy, buddy. You're an intense guy. Okay, look, look, Kyle. So I was the best man and I, and like I had a speech. I figured that I didn't have a whole lot behind me. So I was sitting there like the day of, and I'm like, shit, I got to learn. Like I had to learn like six wedding jokes, like a whole bunch of stuff. Like I prepared to like give like a reasonable presentation. And then the lady that the wedding coordinator, she's like, well, where do you want to fall in the group of speakers? And I was like, what? And she's like, well, he said he had a presentation and there's, there's a song. And I was like, what's in this slide deck? Hold on. What's in this 75? I'm getting, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So, you know, with that, I trimmed my presentation down to about four minutes. Like, yeah. And I had told a couple of people, I was like, I got a great joke. Cause, cause Matt's new lovely bride is, is almost two feet shorter than me. So I had some interesting jokes and stuff like that. But yeah. But I had to cut all my good material out. Cause I had to make room for Matt's PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> which, 
which was the story of the two of them. Um, it, it was it was fun and it was interesting because I think, uh, you know, she's from the Philippines and a lot of people had not met her or understood the story of how they met. So, yeah, but it was I could you could have used a one pager for us, Matt. I mean, oh, been, come on. Have that distributed out. Maybe like, I don't know. It was the it was the fastest seventy five slide PowerPoint you've ever seen. Decor- For you, maybe. Yeah, he's shaking I, I, his head. No, <laughs> it was pretty. It was mostly pictures. It was pretty fast. No, it was. It wasn't bad. I really did have to cut my material down, which was fine. Which was fine. But yeah, that was interesting. So you know, then then the next day, I ended up leaving for the Philippines, and I come back, and and you guys let the world fall apart on me. What's going on with that? Ooh. Well, you never so, know we're so how, how how's all this how's all the stuff that's going on here affecting your business kyle yeah so our business is kind of two fronts one digital usually makes up about 60 to 70 percent of the business and wholesale meaning in stores usually makes up the other 30 to 40 percent and that's been pretty consistent uh we always wanted to be a dual channel brand because we believe that we have to wrap our arms around the customer and find them in the store, and then they'll transition to a digital customer and a heavy user, right? And become a subscriber, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Our On our own website, uh, 50% of new orders are subscriptions from day nice. one, right? So nice. people are really focused on that. Uh, but now... And, and every week is different. Like I will give the caveat that what we're seeing today is not what we're going to see in a week and it's not what we're going to see in six months, right? But that panic buying in stores didn't stop at toilet paper, right? So our Amazon account blew up just astronomically from last month to this month. So to be wow. able to see people coming and saying, okay, I have to build my immune system. What's the best way to do that? They do two seconds of research. It's going to be fruits and vegetables, hopefully superfoods, superfoods just meaning more nutrient dense, right? Uh, and I want it to be shelf stable so that way if shit really hits the fan, I've got this and I know I'm going to have food. Balance the superfood shot. So right? did you change and do like specific ads and stuff on Amazon to page. like hit certain this isn't even like hit certain keywords? So if people even... search like immunity or whatever, like you show up? We already do that, right? So we're already focused on the benefits of fruits and vegetables now. It just happens to be super correlative to what people need. And we're not even spending money against us. Our ad, you know, our ad conversion on Amazon went from uh, maybe you spend a dollar, you get a dollar. But compared to your total revenue, your, your ad cost is maybe 10 20%. And it went to like being 5% of revenue, right? And then it went down to sub 5% because customers are just finding and shopping for it. It's not even we're pushing ads and like paying to cons- acquire consumers. On the wholesale side, uh, our data lags because we ship to a distributor, then they go to store. But one of our accounts, Whole Foods, we can see weekly scan data. And so we're seeing sales now that are so much stronger than they were even when the product was on sale and at all the cash registers because people are coming through and panic buying. Yeah. But we'll see so can, that tail off. So can you make it fast enough now? And can you even make it at all? I mean – with the lockdown stuff, have they shut down your manufacturing capability? Well, I mean, we are essentially feeding people, right? So we are an essential business because we're part of the American food supply. So our team, we actually make the product down in Lenexa. So it's actually- Lenexa, right, Kansas. You know, for Lenexa, those are listening. Kansas. Yeah, That's in Kansas. Yeah, it's like right here in Kansas City. It's an actual real local product. Um, 
And that team has been just amazing. Uh, Ralph and Carol Mazur, who own that company that makes the product for us, have just been incredible partners. They were both Marines in their first life. Uh, so they are executing at the highest level. Our quality has been on point, but you're absolutely right. If you think about people panicking and buying toilet paper and elderberry products today, that means the supply chain all the way down to the farmer is getting super taxed. Yeah. So we had to buy a ton of ingredients, order more bottles like the raw aluminum bottle that we fill here in Lenexa. Uh, all of that became just a train wreck. So Kyle, how is the new, you know, like the environment we're in now with social distancing and worrying about spreading coronavirus and all that stuff, how does that impact your manufacturing and how your employees work? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So we are kind of a good manufacturing practices approved facility. So we meet those guidelines, which means you're kind of at the highest quality standard and we're organically certified. So we have a you know, the FDA comes in and does reviews. So we already have a very strict process for how to handle team members who are working on the product. You know, picture someone wearing, you know, hairnet, uh, glasses, uh, a face covering to make sure nothing's getting in the product. Uh, at the end of the day, we have a product that is uh, pasteurized for mm -hmm. 10 seconds, right? So when it goes in the bottle, it's totally safe. There's no bacteria or anything in there. And that's kind of half of what makes it shelf stable. So now thinking about this coronavirus, Team members, as they come in, are getting temperature checked and checked for symptoms and kind of given a questionnaire as they come in for the day, every day. And then when they go on the line, the line, people are naturally spaced about six to 10 feet apart anyways, because uh, the machines are doing most of the packaging work. But really focused on safety and knowing that everything that's in the bottle is absolutely safe. Um, so, I mean, so it sounds like the product, because the product is is cooked or pasteurized, that there's really no risk to the product anyways. But, no. Yeah. Uh, did you really have to do any real changes to just how your em employees interact with each other? Sounds like they're already wearing a lot of protective gear. They don't work super close together anyway, so not too big of a change. It's just my wife is a physical therapist, so she's still seeing patients because she sees people post-operative that have to have physical therapy care, and it's the same thing for them. They're temperature checking them. They have to wash their hands when they come in. They're doing a questionnaire. Um, you know, have you been to these many places? Do you know anybody who's sick? You know, tell me about that if they are. And so checking people in has, was not a thing that we had to do before. Okay. Now that is a real, real focus to make sure that, that we're limiting that. And this isn't a huge production yet. We make this kind of in a boutique batch of about 5,000 bottles at a time. So this really is a local craft product. Um, now we're just having to do a lot more sessions of that because the volume has, has went up and we'll see how it will go. I mean, we could, that's those sales could go away. If there's a consumer slump, uh, anything could happen. And that's the tough thing about being a startup, right? You're a small brand, you're a small boat in a very big now raging ocean. Uh, so those, those seas can be rough. Well, that's the thing is you have the risk of inventory, right? You're like, we're going to go make a hundred thousand bottles of this stuff because it's selling like crazy. And then two weeks later, nobody buys it anymore. Yep. Or the sales go way down, right? Yep. And, and then, so you're, some... then you're stuck with like six months of inventory or something. Yep, absolutely. So for us, the good thing is 40% of the business is stores. Uh, stores have been seeing record sales. And I would guess that that will be some kind of a slump. But most of that's consumable, right? You have to yeah. use that stuff. It's right. not like toilet paper, which you only use so much toilet paper yeah. every day. Um consumption of fruits and vegetables, especially ones that aren't shelf stable, they're going to have to go out and replace those. So that part of the business is built in. 
uh, the dot com, you know, superfoodshot.com, where we do subscriptions. That's a really stable base of consumers that kind of come back over and over. And so this huge surge in Amazon sales is great, but we're not in it for the surge today, right? So if we were here and we went up and you know quadrupled our sales, when that comes back down, the question is, is can we end at a higher place and have the netted new consumers that we leverage the awareness of fruits yeah. and vegetables right now? Hopefully that's you got the new hopefully you get some new subscribers. Yep. That's exactly well, right. you know one one of the things that you know I did a, a six part series called the Corona Diaries recently that was kind of just I was in the Philippines stuck for a week longer than I thought I would and quite honestly the the show's recording schedule was going to lapse it was difficult to try to record so I figured I would uh, uh, you know take my own experience of, you know, we had to deal with, I had to deal with all kinds of crap over there, 190 employees, people asking a bunch of questions, creating oh policies God. we never had. And one of the things I came to the realization of was that any pot, any former data that you had, throw it out the fucking window, man. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, like your cost of acquisition, the lifetime value of a customer, you know, like the, you know, then also in your case, I mean, we were talking a lot about supply chain disruption and, that it was going to affect or, or on different levels, like, I mean, all of it, I mean, literally all of it. I mean, things coming from China are going to be here. We, we will, you don't see that ripple effect. It's kind of like, you know, it's like an aftershock or a delay in what you're going to see economically. And I, I think you have a really smart approach by assuming that it's not just like, Hey, here's a burst of sales. We got to handle that appropriately at the same time, also not run out of stuff. Have you, have you actually run out? So there were two ingredients that we were down to a week left on, and we were able to supply, secure new supplies. And I, the, our manufacturing partners are so great. Our whole team is fantastic. But these two have kind of went above and beyond to keep up, do extra shifts, make the product, make sure that it's safe and, and exactly the same quality. But we had two ingredients that we were almost ready to run out of. Not only did they find a, 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 another great supplier, but actually at, one of them was at a 40% cost reduction. Oh, wow. I mean, I mean we that just was my next question is, is whether or not you had to pay more because that was that was one of the things I was I was really, you know, I, I'm just I'm such a nerd when it comes to commerce and business like I, you know, and on some levels enjoy reading that data just because I find it fascinating. But there there were uh, one one example that I found was that generic drug makers were paying up to 50% premium for some oh. of the ingredients. And they were things that they would normally get from China. And they realized that they were going to very, very, very much run out. Well, and right that, now, if you, if you go to the grocery store, though, fruits and vegetables aren't what people are hoarding. Yep. So if, if what he has to buy in big quantities are certain fruits and vegetables, that like volume of that stuff probably is pretty normal. I would think if people are buying up on canned goods and they're buying, you know, they're buying stuff that's that they can put in their pantry. Right. Yep. Yeah. But it's the whole system. I mean, so we sell to natural grocery stores like natural grocers and whole foods. Those are great partners for us. One distributor is a massive distributor for them called UNFI, right? UNFI literally doesn't have enough trucks, pallets, and people to move the food from point A to point B to the store. And so it comes down to a bottleneck and just getting all the stuff moved around. And so people aren't stocking up as much on fruits and veggies because they know they'll go bad. Um, And so they're looking for products that they can have in case, you know, things really get bad. Why people are obsessed with toilet paper 
still blows me away. But well, the, it, it's it's not as much the obsession with toilet paper. It's it's just a reflection on our supply chain. I, I was curious about that. So I did research on it. And yes, there's an increased demand because people don't want to get stuck in their home without toilet paper. But with that toilet paper is a really low margin product and it's mm -hmm. expensive to ship. So the supply chain and the so the grocery store, that's one of those things. So I used to work in retail, you hear the the low, the low price leader, or one of those things like you wouldn't go to the grocery store that you go to if they didn't have toilet paper. So if they if there's certain things there that if they don't exist and they're not there at the store or the retailer, then shoppers won't come to buy the other 99% of what they get. Yeah, so the essential, because, right? because it's so because it's low margin, they don't make a lot of money off of it, takes up a lot of space compared to other things, blah, blah, blah. Our current supply chain, there, there's toilet paper. That was the whole, that was the whole moral of the story. Like it's out there. They just have to redistribute it. Yeah. They, in the the I mean, there's literally not well, and they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're just not everything. And, and much like you found some challenges with potential surge in demand, it just wasn't in the right places at the right time. And that's, and that's always the challenge with supply chain. And that's why, you know, over the last 10, 15 years, supply chain management is now an actual like thing in college. It wasn't, you know, the first time of five tries I went for in college. Um, well, but, I think to, sorry, go ahead. Well, supply chain and logistics is one of the is one of the industries that may actually benefit greatly from some of this because an increased level of efficiency and some predictive analysis about how and when to handle these kind of things. Because mm -hmm. here's the thing: is if you're running a toilet paper manufacturing company, like if you're Charmin, you're sitting there going, "Shit!" Like, you're not literally, you're not making any money because there's nothing on the shelf. So like, it's not like they're in boom times, you know, you have to be able to meet the demand more than just that one. It would be like the same thing for you. And, and now, Matt, what did you, what did you want to add onto that? Well, I was going to say back to kind of what Kyle mentioned earlier. I think part of the problem right now is they, they'd rather send a, a 40 foot truck of a frozen chicken than toilet paper. And so I just think the toilet paper is, like you guys said, it's not high margin. It's not probably as important as food that people need to eat either. And so everything else is getting prioritized over it. And well, you can, only, you can only produce so much at a time. So I had the chance to meet somebody from uh, Russell Stover's, came in the office after they got acquired and was looking for a new place to be because he wanted to move from there. And this was one of the guys who was the key salesperson who helped managed not only the United States, but what they did a test in Australia for a while in Russell Stover's. That's a huge chocolate market, Australia, by the way. They consume way more chocolate than we do. Um, nothing compared to you know, Northern Europe, but huge chocolate fans, right? So if you think about the big chocolate buying cycle, Christmas, the holidays, Easter, those are the, and Halloween, right? Like that's the huge season. You can only make so much chocolate at any one time, and you can only overbuild your facilities to have peak capacity. So, and you have to couple that with expiration dates, right? So, if there's a 120 day expiration date on chocolate or whatever it is, you know, they're looking at peak load time and then saying, we got 120 days back of that. That's when all the plants go from, you know, 25% capacity to 100% capacity. And you can still only make enough chocolate barely to fulfill the need and not have to overbuild your facility. So when you think about toilet paper running off of a, off of a mill somewhere, they can only make so much toilet paper because yeah. toilet paper is a super steady supply and demand curve, right? It's nice and smooth. It's increasing slowly over time. This whole uh, 
peaks and valleys. Is it's up five times, five it's times. Crazy. Yeah. And so, well, yeah, and, that's, really and, and there's no conventional, that. there's no conventional history to support the where, when, and how, or why that they should ramp that factory up. Like you said, it's like, I mean, there's just certain things that don't really spike like that. So yeah, they probably the, always run at 80, 90, you know, 80 to hundred percent capacity because they don't have, they don't need to overbuild capacity. True. Now, one thing, when I was at the full-scale office in Cebu, I found 25 miles of toilet paper in our storage room. Like, we have apparently bought that in bulk. And at one point, I considered leaving all of my personal belongings there and just bringing toilet paper back. <laughs> I, I, I mean, who knows what I could have gotten for that. But then the problem was I wasn't really sure how I was going to make the transactions when I'm not allowed to be around people That's or... Great. Yeah, so I didn't really want to run my own fulfillment operation uh, based on rolls of toilet paper. But but if you need to take a shit, know that there's some toilet paper. And they didn't even care there because half the people there are like, oh, I'll just use the bidet. Right. Yeah, that's what they use anyway. Who uses toilet paper? Yeah. What are you, barbarians? Well, what I know. Well, Watson, another it's another Matt Watson fact. Oh, playing Matt Watson trivia today. Does Matt Watson have a bidet in his home? Yes or no? No. How many? Oh. How many? Hang on. I don't know this one either. Let's play this together. Can we do an over under? What's the over under? Oh, absolutely. Price is right. Can't go over. You're out. Um, three. I'm, I'm going to say I'm going with two. I have two. Now I knew you had one. Shut I figured you weren't aggressive enough to go for a third. But, Not yet. All right. Dang. Now we have to have a deciding. We're, those, well, those I can get are, to participate. Evidently, those are also sold out on Amazon. Oh, you can't even buy. Well, Amazon's now limiting uh, items that are essential to be shipped into the warehouse because, again, they only have so many dock doors to bring stuff in. Yeah. You don't know if your item is, quote unquote, essential or not until you go to fill out the shipping request to send them product. And then you can do it or you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Is that impacting you? No. um, I mean, we, we are still an essential item they actually featured us on the home page of their app last week wow their wellness pick right so it's been really cool to see that we did a you know i know you know andrew morgan's so we did a um an amazon update with him this week about how that was affecting amazon sellers so just you know like and trying to figure that out his his last couple weeks have been pretty interesting um you know, as well, just, I mean, you got a lot of people, like you talk about the supply chain and just trying to, I don't know, keep, what the the definition of what's essential. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Food. Well, I mean, that's, that's the cool thing about balance the superfood shot. It really is just feeding people. Right. And it's feeding people exactly what they need to have at this point. And we are excited and really humbled just to be chosen by people. Right. Cause you can't reach all those Amazon consumers. You can't place enough ads it takes the consumer going there, making their own very independent decision on what to buy. And it's been very cool to see that as a Kansas City company to think that, you know, like we're feeding America here through our product. That's been really, really exciting to see. So we like to end our episodes of Startup Hustle with what we refer to as the founder's freestyle, which is kind of your chance to recap anything that we discussed here, give advice really about anything you want. I mean, we usually try to wrap it around something we've discussed here in the episode and you're in the first, you're in the poll position on that one, Kyle. So what would you like to say to the, 
to the world of start the startup hustlers out there that uh, ha- have been kind enough to listen to yet another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by Fullscale.io. There you go. I, I think I have two separate thoughts. One would be on that pitch deck and speaking to investors and speaking to your customer and speaking to your team. It's everybody, everybody that your company speaks to, you need to tell your story and tell it very consistently and very clearly, right? It starts with your company values and why you're here. It transitions to, to how you're going to do it and then what you're actually doing, right? The why, how, what that Simon Sinek is famous for. Telling that message super consistently to all your stakeholders who work for you, invest in you, or, or ultimately buy your goods is mega important. So, um, And then on the other side, just about health and wellness, right? Michael Pollan said it best, eat real food, mostly plants, not too much. So for me to add to that, I would say focus on eating real food, specifically a plant-based diet. Fruits and veggies are the cure for all of your life, especially now. Um, but it comes down to drinking water, exercising, and living. It's really simple. People overblow this. They have crazy diets, you know, keto or paleo or whatever it is, right? Real food, mostly plants, water and exercise, and get some sleep. Master Watson, you're up. You know, I we've been talking a lot about who's a winner and loser in this pandemic, and it's great to see that you guys are a winner. You know, that that's amazing and you know, hopefully, I, I think the subscription part of your business is, is probably the coolest, right? And, and that recurring revenue you get from it. And I really hope for you guys, you end up with, you know, thousands of new subscribers mm-hmm. um, that then kind of, you know, create, uh, improves the base of that recurring revenue for you. So that, that's super exciting. And um, c- congratulations on that <laughs> part of it. I mean, it's a, it's a shitty you know, shitty thing for the world at this point, but you know, it's great that you guys end up being a winner in this deal. So yeah, well, we're just humble that we get to help people, right? That's the only way Absolutely. That we we're just here to help people. And if people find the product and choose it, you know, more power to them. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And when, when we get done recording, I'm going to go look for some elderberry behind our house. They'd look for it. You go find the old guy and wherever he's picking berries, <laughs> it's probably elderberry. Um, You know, to to kind of wrap things up. And once again, Kyle, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, For for those of you listening, go to superfoodshot.com where you can become a subscriber. I think I'm going to as well. Um, You know, overall, I I, got to really, I think I really want to wrap this up with true support for what you said about your brand message. Um, You know, people want to overthink this. And, you know, it's like, it's like the, it, there's actually, uh, uh, you know, like the, the story brand was, I don't know if you've ever read that one, but it's a similar, it's similar to all the things you mentioned. It's like, you know, tell the backstory of your company, the problem that you're solving, sometimes the villains that you're overcoming, mm-hmm. the, the, what you've learned along the way and why you're the leader. And, you know, and then there's even some form of celebration or ritual in the end. And in your case, that ritual or celebration is the subscription. And, you know, by, by following that brand message, like there's a backstory, you talk about, Hey, we used to make vitamins. We realized we could do something more and, you know, you go, you go through it and the, and the, and branding can be simple. And if you can't explain your brand, like at full scale, we help, we help people build development teams quickly and affordably. That if you can't explain what your business does in a breath, then you've either over, overthought it or you've overcomplicated it. 
And much like, you know, the other Matt, and you have acknowledged, like, it's not about a 60 page business plan. It's about a concrete story that is fast and easy. So, you know, if you can't get through it quickly and you can't, you can't tell that story, uh, I, I'm sure both of you have been to startup events and different things. You talk to someone, you're like, well, what does your business do? And like five minutes later, you're still sitting there going, what? I don't, I don't get it. That's what you need to avoid. Yep. Um, because people stop listening after about the 60th second, if not sooner. So overall, you know, like, and I also want to commend you for having your business in a position to do something useful amidst chaos. Um, I think that's one of the really cool things about America and capitalism and startups and entrepreneurship is the ability for, you know, private industry to really step up at these times. And I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. Once again, those of you listening, go to superfoodshot.com and sign up, get healthy, maybe slow down on order some stuff other than elderberry first. I just did it. I you did it? Ordered, yeah, I just went and ordered 24 of the immunity ones because uh, Boom. I think especially, uh, yeah, I think now's the time. So I just ordered some. Cool. There you go. That's a free endorsement from Master <laughs> Watson. We'll probably have to do a follow-up episode because I'm going to find out when those are delivered. And you know how people are doing like the chug challenge? That's right. Hey, by the way, that's funny. There is a there is a quarantine there is a quarantine beer chug community that someone in Kansas City started, and it's got near two hundred thousand people in the room. Have you guys been invited to that? Cause virtual it's happy hours of the rage virtual happy hours is where it's at oh virtual yeah I, happy hours. i'm yeah. just that's what i'm saying but th- and this one it's like a chug challenge so matt i think you're gonna have to join that group but do it with a super food shot and maybe i'll do it with you we'll Sounds do it good. remote we'll have right. we'll, there we go we'll both get on one side of the screen and yeah that's as close as we can get Two anyway guys easy anyway guys thanks for coming in see you next time thanks Thank guys you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle. Startup Hustle.